All right, y'all. Welcome to today's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which is short for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, and you can also find at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you'd like to just see my Nancy Drew shit. For today's episode, I'm in a slightly different venue, so I'm hoping that the acoustics are not too weird. We'll see. But anyway, uh, today we're going to be discussing Nancy Drew Files number two, which is deadly intense. And on the cover of this one, Nancy is rocking a karate pose while still looking like she might be in her early 40s. I mean, making a lot of weird choices there, cover artist, but it's fine. Um, also, this one's in New York City. <sighs> We're on a travel vacation. It's, it's good. It's good. Um, let me see. There's, there's just so much to unpack in this one. And I've got to figure out where I'm going with this because I'm going to have to record this one in two segments, which deeply distressing, but it's fine. We're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. All right. So for this one, like I said, they're in New York and the, the book actually picks up with Nancy, Bess and George at Radio City Music Hall, which I've actually been to. And I did not investigate it to see if all of the landmarks and logistics were correct in this, but it's fine. Um, they are there to see a concert by Bent Fender because of course, which you know, my shipper heart is like, this is clearly a reference to the clue in the diary because that is when Ned ripped the fender off Nancy's car because it was bent, but it's fine. I mean, in my heart, it will always be that. But anyway, Ned is not with them, which sad face. I mean, it's fine. He does have college. Like that is a thing that he needs to be doing. And sure, it's fine. <laughs> um, But no, like, there's a reference early in the book to, like, apparently Nancy and Ned are going through a bit of a patch because, of course, she was trying to bang a 17-year-old in the last book. I fucking hate you, Daryl Gray. Just, please, just marinate in that. Um, so, of course, Ned finds out about it, and at the end of the book, she's like, we're okay, right? And he's like, uh-huh. Um, but, so, she's like, yeah, I went to visit him at Emerson, and, like, we've we've been out a couple times, but things are still a little bit weird, so, shit. Um, but they are there to see Ben Fender play, who has no, please understand, this is book two. They've never been referenced before. They will never be referenced again unless it's in some, like, weird aside. Because occasionally somebody who writes a future book will be like, is there somebody that I can throw in here that would make sense for this? But anyway. So, they're there because, as you know, Carson Drew, who is the Swiss Army knife of lawyers, has actually decided that he is going to help negotiate a contract for Ben Fender because... He went to college with Cy Gold, who is the father of Roger Gold, who is a member of the band. And if you're like, oh, what does he do in the band? I don't fucking know. I don't care. Like, he's he's a person in the band. Um, fuck. I'm not here for that shit. I'm here for, are Nancy and Ned going to do anything close to banging? Anyway, so um, Carson's going to be negotiating that contract. And because of that, and because um, he is old friends with this, the father of a band member, he manages to get everybody backstage passes. Carson himself is not present as he has opera to attend. Fuck all y'all. Um, so yeah, so it's Nancy and her friends. And they have brought Alan along, who Alan is like barely mentioned at the end of the previous book because Bess is dating Alan. And she's like, he's the love of my life, which is the way that she operates with every single guy that she meets who is hot. It's cool. You are not special, Alan. You are just the first person that we run into in this series that she's trying to get in the pants of. Um, so yeah, Bess and Alan are there. Alan, of course, is fucking stoked because, of course, this is like the hottest band in the United States or whatever the fuck. Like, they're up and coming. They're on MTV because MTV is a fucking thing in this book. Oh my god. They actually go to a club that's playing MTV and I was like, 
my heart. Um, I did not check the rewrite to see if they still refer to MTV. Like, I kind of want them to be like, and some vintage MTV videos that no one was aware of. Maybe also some VH1. I don't know. I legit don't even know what channel you would fucking watch to watch some music videos now. Anyway, so they're at the concert and Nancy's like, this is fantastic. Let's, we're, we got backstage passes, but they don't, they don't actually have backstage passes. They have to go to some security guards and be like, Hey, um, so we're with the band and they're like, everyone says that. Do you have any proof? And Nancy's like, well, Roger said, just call him. Uh, my name is Nancy Drew. And they're like, that means absolutely jack shit to us. So they actually call Roger and they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And Nancy's like, it's cool. So they get to go backstage. Um, there's a bunch of members of the band. One of them is named Linda. And Linda is apparently one, she's got like this raspy voice. And I believe she plays bass. And um, also George is like, I love her. And I'm like, do you? Because again, George is the one who is most clearly coded as a possible lesbian in the series, but in the files, it's she's presented as more of like a demisexual and that she doesn't fall for people nearly so much as Bess does, or Nancy, for that fucking matter. Um, so yeah, George is like, oh my god, I get to meet Linda! Uh, the lead singer of the band, the, like, the public face of the band is named Barton, because of course he is. This is 1986. This was actually also published in um, August of 1986, so it's at the same time as Secrets Can Kill. Um, Barton. Barton Novak. I mean, oh my god, like, he sounds like he's your dad's accountant. Anyway, um, so he's this charismatic guy. He wears cowboy boots on stage. He's, you know, and he, he greets Nancy and Roger's like, yeah, she's a detective. And Barton's like, cool. Um, I've, I've got something I might want to talk to you about. Nancy's like, sure. I mean, everybody, when they hear I'm a detective, want to talk to me about things. Like they want to talk about investigation discovery and things that they have seen on CSI. And what, no, she, she doesn't say any of that. But anyway, so she's like, that's cool. Um, so they're like, yeah, we got to get ready to go up on stage. So uh, you can play ping pong. That's the thing. When they walk into the room where the band's playing, like the band's waiting backstage before they're going to go on stage, they're playing fucking ping pong. Like I was like, they need to be like, hastily hiding some baggies like what what are you doing what are you even doing and even like there's one reference to like Barton drinking a beer and you're like oh my god he drinks beer like these books are so very sanitized it's fine it's it's fucking fine it's fine anyway um so it's almost time for the band to go on and like they're back there playing ping pong waiting for that and one of the guys bursts in and he's like Barton's gone. And Nancy's like, I am on this case. I am on it. So she goes to his dressing room and it looks like he was interrupted in the middle of getting dressed. Like his cowboy boots are there. His stage makeup is there. I was like, I have follow up questions, but it's fine. Um, but he's not there. And so she looks around, she's like, his guitar is here. And they're like, well, he's got multiple guitars. Like this is not that unusual, but also, and this is, again, remember how I talked about how Nancy's called in when the police can't be for whatever reason? Like, clearly you would call the police if you have some sort of missing persons case. But, of course, there's that weird 48-hour thing. So, it makes sense that they might be like, can you look for him because the cops aren't going to? But the explanation here is that Barton twice before has gotten kind of overwhelmed by their fame and has just vanished right before things. And it turned out that he was like in the Caribbean or just, you know, fucking around somewhere. So they're like, mm, if we call the cops, they're going to be like, boy, who cried wolf much? So they're like, Nancy, can you just see if you can figure out what happened? Because I got a bad feeling about this. And Nancy's like, 
sure, that's what I'm here for. And her friends are like, I thought we were not gonna do this. Okay, like, in the later books, they just kind of sigh in resignation. But in this book, they're like, I thought we were just, oh, okay. Oh, okay. So yeah. So I mean, they're gonna be in town for Carson to finish up the, the thing anyway. So it's fine. So Nancy's looking around. She's like, well, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything weird or unusual. And the band, of course, like, they're about to fucking go on stage. And they're like, what are we gonna do? So Alan's like, they say something like, how are we going to cover blah, blah? And Alan's like, oh, I love that song. I can, I, that was like the first song I learned to play on the guitar. And they're like, play something for us, Alan. And Alan's like, okay. So of course, what happens is they just bring Alan in as a ringer so that he can just take over for Barton. And of course, he's not as good as Barton, but they're able to get through the concert. And another reason that they say that Barton would not have left every time I say his name, I picture both somebody who is an in-law of me and an accountant. Um, but the person is not both of those things. Um, so yeah, Barton wouldn't have vanished because this is a rock for relief concert. Like this is a concert series that he's kicking off that is supposed to benefit people who are handicapped, which is a big thing. And you're like, in 1986, you're like, actually like gaining some smidgen of social consciousness. I'm so proud of you. But anyway, um, so his sister's in a wheelchair. So this would be a thing that is like close to his heart. Like he, he really loves his sister. And so part of the reason he's doing these concerts is for her. So yeah, he, he's not going to fucking flake out on this. Like that doesn't make any sense. So um, she can hear that Alan's up on stage with the band and she's still poking around looking for clues and Bess and George, of course, are out there watching and Bess, of course, is like, oh my God, that's my boyfriend! And George is like, yeah. So Nancy's just poking around. She's not really finding anything. She goes to talk to the security guards just to see if anybody came backstage and they're like, no, it was just like, it was you guys and it was the equipment people and it was the roadies and then it was the people to deliver some more equipment and Nancy's like, pourquoi? And... And the security guard's like, yeah, they brought in this big box. And another guard goes, what do you mean? They didn't bring in any equipment. They brought it all in this morning that we're setting up. And so they have like a tiny fight. And eventually it comes out that they brought in a large box, like that a human could fit inside. And I've read enough murder mysteries to be like, there's a reason that it was big enough to fit a body inside. But anyway, so they brought that in and, and whatever. And so, and they brought it back out again and they the guy's like, Nancy's like, can you describe them? And he's like, yeah, one of them was like tall and muscular and the other one was not. And one of them was wearing a ring. Like it, it had like a, a sea serpent on it. I don't know with a, a ruby for an eye. And I'm like, okay, y'all, I read murder mysteries on the regular and I don't remember shit about anyone. So anytime anyone's like, yeah, it was like five foot nine, about 180. Like, I'm like, oh, sure, sure, honey. Like you're clearly a non-playable character in a video game. It's fine. So they give like a, a fairly thorough description of the two people. They're like tall with this color hair and this build and, and the sea serpent thing. And Nancy's like, cool. So she goes to poke around because she's like, what kind of equipment did they drop off? And so she goes to look for that to see if there's any clues attached to that. Like maybe a note saying where it came from. No. Um, and she finds a wallet, a big old fat soft leather wallet with an L that looks like a dragon. And she's like, <gasps> This definitely looks like a clue. So she picks it up and all of a sudden she gets popped on the back of the head. So the thing about the Nancy Drew files is that Nancy is either going to be concussed on the regular, like to the point that you're like, you should probably maybe wear a helmet at all times and like chloroform, which in the old books, like she did get knocked out 
ish, but it's every every bad guy in the Nancy Drew Files seems to have at least considered using chloroform in the past, which is why it made me laugh so fucking hard when I saw it on Community. But anyway, um, so yeah, Nancy comes to, Nancy responds. Um, she wakes up in the hallway and the concert's over and her friends are, oh my God, Nancy did, oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, uh, I got hit on the head, fuck, where's the wallet? And of course the wallet is nowhere to be found because somebody figured out they didn't have the wallet, came, found her looking at it and just smacked her on the back of the head. Because of course, that's what one does. So um, her friends were like, no, you're, she's like, I need to look around for more clues. And they're like, you are going to the hospital. This is not okay. So they take her, get her, the the hospital is not where they actually end up going. They go to the hotel and the hotel has a doctor. And I'm like, again, in 1986, were there a lot of hotel doctors? Was that like a thing in New York? Because everybody was just doing Coke all the damn time. Anyway, so the hotel doctor is like, you're cool. Just um, lots of fluids. Here's some pain medication. Just get some rest. So she wakes up the next morning and she's like, I'm feeling better. Um, let's, let's go, let's go find some clues. So she talks to her dad first and her dad's like, well, I'm supposed to go talk to, um, their agent today anyway. So, you know, maybe she might have some idea of what's going on or maybe some leads that you can follow. So Nancy tags along and meets Anne Nordquist, who is like, oh, I love traveling. I just got back from China. And Nancy's like, cool. And you're like, Anytime anybody mentions something specific as an aside like that, it's going to be significant. Anyway, so uh, Nancy talks to Ann Nordquist, who is their agent, and she's trying to negotiate, like, better terms for them. Like, apparently, Barton was ticked off about the previous terms on their contract or some shit, and that's why they called Carson in. So Carson's trying to get some information, and Nancy's like, okay, do you know anybody who I could talk to? And Ann's like, yeah, you can talk to people at the record label, and there's some other people, and here's a list. And she seems to be pretty helpful, but you're like, everyone's a suspect. Oh, y'all. So anyway, so Nancy goes to World. World is what they call this label because they're like, I cannot be bothered to come up with anything that is anywhere near cool. It's just called World, y'all. Like, we're dreaming big. So she walks in and she's talking to everyone she talks to seems like pretty chill, doesn't know what's going on. So she goes into one office and she sees this black haired bitch named Vivian who is like, he does not have time to see you today. And Nancy's like, uh, but I kind of need to talk to him like right now because things are pretty bad. So she like basically just opens the office door and just barges right in there. And the guy's on the phone puffing on a fucking cigar because it's 1986, y'all. And we need to convey that he is both a dick and somebody in power. That seems like the perfect way to do it. Um, So he's just puffing on a cigar and he's like, what are you doing in here? And Nancy's like, so I need some information about Barton Novak who has vanished and you should be concerned about this as it impacts your bottom line. Like, do you know anything about it? And he's like, fuck no, there's nothing going on. It's just a publicity stunt. And Nancy's like, what? And he says, yeah, you saw how everybody went crazy. Like there's big old four inch headlines in the paper and everybody's wondering where he is and it's going to sell more records. He's like, you remember that like Abbey Road Beatles thing? And then he's like, oh, you're probably in diapers. And I'm like, that's adorable. Anyway, um, so he's like, yeah, it's just a publicity stunt. He's just gonna lay low for a while and then he's gonna come back and everybody's gonna be excited and he's fine. Just, just fuck off. And Nancy's like, really? Like he, his sister, like these concerts seems really important to him. And Harold's like, it's look, don't trouble your pretty little head about it. And Nancy's like, okay, 
Okay, whatever. So she says, look, I've, can you tell me, like, what about a recording studio? Did, was there a recording studio that they would customarily go to just, you know, to track down all the leads? Like, maybe, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, this is where they would have gone, but they're, you're not going to find anything there. Just just go enjoy yourself. You're in New York. Just be a tourist. And Nancy's like, sure. So she actually, she goes back to the hotel to change clothes or whatever the fuck. And she walks in, her phone's ringing, and she picks it up, and it's and that's like hey girl hey and Nancy's like hey guess who just got bopped on the back of the head last night and that's like I do not care for to hear that I got a three-day weekend coming up let me just head up there let me just get on a plane and Nancy's like huh uh, yeah yeah I mean again things are like a touch weird because again Nancy is edging close to the sex offender registry for trying to mess with 17 year old no it's fine and she's like I remember that that sexy look that Daryl would give me, but I'm glad that we're past it, and also that I'm pronouncing Daryl like he's some sort of hick in the backcountry. <laughs> I hate you, Daryl. Um, presumably, he's in federal lockup right now, and none too soon. I hope that Porsche has been destroyed. Fuck you. Um, anyway, so she's like, yeah, yeah, come on up, yeah. He's like, I've, everything's fine, it, you know, I've got a couple days off, and I'm like, you are adorable, Ned, like, really? I think that you're blowing off class left and right, and this is why you never graduate. Anyway, so he comes up. Um, He comes up later on that day, and this, this is right after Nancy has figured out some bad things. So, um, Alan, who you will remember, took over for Barton. Like, Nancy sees him at breakfast the next morning, and Alan's like, I'm gonna go talk to um the manager for the band and maybe he will sign me to a contract. I don't know. It's gonna be great. And Nancy's like, um, he's probably just seeming to be nice to you. And also, his name was Harold Marshall, and he is a dick. So like, maybe no. Like, just consider maybe not doing this. And they're like, no, he did great. Everything. Everybody said that he's fantastic. And oh my god. So apparently, this is off screen for us. Um, Bess and Alan go see Harold Marshall, who is like oh my God, um, yeah, you, you did fantastic. I'm going to sign you to a contract. And Alan's like, oh my God. And Harold's like, also, um, I just wanted you to do me a little solid. So whenever Nancy sees Alan and Bess later on that day, Bess is like, oh my God, we have the best news. Alan saw um, Barton, who has been uh, re- weirdly not here. And Nancy's like, really? And Alan's like, yeah. We went to see Harold, and he said he wanted to sign me to a record contract, and then he was like, oh, I want you to meet somebody, and he opened a door, and there was Barton, and he was just hanging out, wearing his purple bandana, and just watching TV, and, and having a snack, and he said, hey, and I'm, I'm doing fine, and peace out. You did great. And Nancy's like, everything about this sounds fishy. Why would Harold not, like, let Barton talked to a member of the band, maybe? Like, also, what about his... What about any of this? Like, this all sounds bad. And Alan's like, why are you questioning me? Like, I wanted him to be found just as you did. Aren't you happy that he's safe? And Nancy's like, if I believed that, then yeah. So then um, Nancy talks to a security guard who works at Radio City Music Hall because she's just checking to make sure that they haven't discovered anything else, like any more clues or anything. And also, did they find the wallet somewhere? And the security guard's like, no, but I did find the purple bandana that is his good luck charm that everybody knows is he only has the one and his sister hand embroidered it and he wears it every time he's on stage. And I found that. And Nancy's like, did you? 
because Alan just told me that she saw him this morning. He, when did you find it? And the security guard's like, last night. Like, I, I went looking and I found it last night after everybody else had cleared out. And Nancy was like, okay, so you're saying that you found it last night. And Alan's saying that he saw Barton wearing it this morning. Great, great. So the nut arrives and Nancy greets him and they're like, hey, baby, hey. And Nancy's like, so we just got some bad news about Alan. And Ned's like, you mean the guy that you were going to have me bunking with? Okay, side note. The thing that I'm always concerned about in these books is what are the sleeping arrangements? Because I'm always like, is there a way for me to get Nancy and Ned into the same room together for, I don't know, some hot and heavy making out reasons? So here are the sleeping arrangements because you have been desperately wondering about this this entire time. Um, Nancy's in a suite with her dad in one bedroom and she has her own bedroom, which I'm always like, yes. And then Bess and George are sharing another room in the suite. And then Alan has a separate room, which I guess has another bed in it. So that's where Ned was possibly going to stay. But then Nancy's like, oh, well, there's a couch in my dad's room that I'm sure that he would let you sleep on. And I'm like, why would you do this to me? Nancy's got a room right there. But anyway, um, yeah. Nancy's dad, Carson, is never like, so, I mean, it's cool with me if you two bunk together. Like, he he will let Nancy and Ned go on vacation together where they have separate rooms, air quotes. But, yeah, so he, he is not that enlightened. It is 1986. Just, just chill the fuck out. So, anyway, so Ned's like, oh, okay, so what are we going to do? And Nancy's like, you know, I don't know. I, I want to confront Alan over this like immediately because I'd like to charge into shit like a bull in a china shop. But like Bess is clearly, Bess is buying it. Bess is not, doesn't have any questions about it. And so they decide that later on that night they're going to go to a club because of course they're going to hit up a club. And um, Ned walks in and he's like, these are, this is nice. Like there's a girl rocking a rainbow mohawk is like the way that you know that you're in New York city is because somebody's rocking pride at all times. Um, but anyway, which wouldn't have been a thing in 86, not really, not like this, but anyway, and there's absolutely no reference to, and she looks kind of like a lesbian. Like there's no, oh my God, no. Like everybody in this entire series is asexual. Just, just marinate in that. Um, but yeah, so they walk in, they see all these different, everybody dressed in all sorts of different ways, and just, they're having a good time, and so Nancy goes up to Alan, and she's like, after um, Alan and Bess walk in, and she's like, hey, um, so I just wanted to ask you about you not actually seeing Barton, like, can you tell me why you lied to me about that, and Bess immediately is like, what the fuck he would not lie to you about this why are you questioning him why are you being such a bitch and Nancy's like Bess it just it just doesn't make sense like the security guard found the bandana that Barton wears all the time and Alan says that he saw him wearing it so clearly and Alan's like he probably just has like two of those and Nancy's like why are you fucking lying to me like everybody knows that he has one is it is his good luck charm it is the one of these things he does not have multiples of these things why seriously what happened did they offer you a contract so that you would tell me this like what and Alan's like no and Bess is like I cannot fucking we are done and she just like stomps off with Alan and Nancy's like oh my god she hates me and Ned's like I'm sure that once she cools off it'll be fine like seriously let's just let's just let her chill it'll be okay and George is like it'll be okay and so Nancy's like I'm just so miserable my best friend and also, why is Alan being a dick? Like, she hates the fact that both Bess is just 
best is defending this guy that she's known for like a month and she's known Nancy for like her entire life. And also that like she doesn't like Alan's clearly lying to her and she can't what what the fuck is she gonna do about this? So yeah. After they leave the club, because Ned's like, let's just go for a walk together. And you're like, yes. So y'all can bang up against a, the side of a building. Um. Anyway, so they're walking out together. And, like, they're about to kiss. Like, Nancy's like, are, are we past the Daryl thing? And Ned's like, I don't know, sex offender registry. Um. <laughs> anyway, so they're having a moment where Ned's like, I think we're going to be okay. Because, you know, I love you. You know, I always have. And, like, they're leaning in for a kiss. And you're like, <gasps> And then all of a sudden somebody says, Ned? And you're like, why are you fucking cock blocking? Like, what the fuck? Why would you cock block? Anyway, so this guy walks up to them. He's like a short guy. He's got like wavy dark hair. And he is dressed like flashy as hell. Like the the thing says that he's wearing a leather jacket with like a lot of interesting pleats and zippers. I'm like, so we're we're leaning in real hard with Michael Jackson here. Um, He's wearing like beige slacks and I'm like that's a bold choice and he's wearing like green crocodile boots or some shit where you're like so you just walked in and of course he's rocking some thick chains it's like he's just been mobbed up and is not quite sure how to dress he is like mixing media like a motherfucker and he's also he's wearing tight leather gloves at this point so he he says Ned hey and that's like hey guy and then he looks over at Nancy and the guy's face like drains of color. And he's like, oh, and Nancy's like, hi, because she doesn't recognize him at all. She doesn't know who this guy is. So Ned's like, Dave, right? And he's like, yeah, Dave, we knew each other at Emerson. And Ned's like, yeah, good to meet you. Like, you're looking good. I haven't seen you around campus. And Dave's like, yeah, school's such a drag, like having to get up in the morning, fuck no, so I've got a new job here, and things are just looking great for me, like, I'm making bank, and that's like, really, like, I'm I'm looking for summer opportunities if, if your organization is hiring, and he's like, well, it's, it's not quite like that, but I mean, it's, I'm, I'm doing some good shit, so, I mean, and I'm just, like, women everywhere, like, no offense to the little lady, and Nancy's, like, seething, which I'm like, yes, that is exactly the response that you should have to this dick. Um, so Dave is like, oh my god, it's so good to see you, and then we gotta catch up, and, and there's my ride, and, like, a fucking limo pulls up, and Nancy's like, really? A limo? Nice, nice. Um, cool. And she notices on the back of the limo that the license plate, and I'm like, this feels like bullshit, but okay. Um, there's a stylized L that looks like a dragon that looks like the symbol that she saw on that leather wallet. And so she's like, so they're franchising. Like, is there is this merch related to something? So she goes over to take down the license plate, and Ned's like, look out! And a fucking knife buries itself in a crate nearby because, of course, it's New York, and, and we are surrounded by fucking crates. Like, this is some sort of video game where we got to break some shit. Anyway, so this knife flies through the air and narrowly avoids her. Um, she sees it and is like, fuck, and she runs after the limo, but she's not, she can't get up, up to it in time to actually see the license plate, and she's like, so you know this guy? And that's like, I mean, when he says that he left school, he was kicked out. Like, he wasn't even going to class. I would see him working at the record store nearby, and, like, that's, that was, that seemed like his big thing, so I, I don't even know what the fuck's going on, like, and when I say, when he said that we were, we knew each other, like, barely, so I don't know, 
The other thing about this is that Nancy, after she went to World, decided to go to the studio where they were recording. So that happened early on, earlier this day before Ned arrived. She is just packing shit in. Um, so she goes over to the recording studio and she's looking around and she sees Vivian, that dark-haired bitch from Harold Marshall's office. And she sees Vivian walking into a room with some, like, big old cases. And then she walks back out again with the cases. And Nancy's like, hmm? Like, I just want to see what's in that room. So she goes into the room with George, because George is with her at the time. And it's... She, it's just a bunch of drawers. Like, she doesn't know what the fuck it is. And then she looks around and she n- realizes that it's the room full of masters. Because they have, like, legit masters pressed on media. And Nancy's like, oh, so I think that this is the room where they put, like, all the records that they need to, like, actually, like, press out records, like, to make albums. And George is like, oh, okay. And Nancy's like, that's why all these drawers are locked. That's why this, is like, this room needs to stay locked is you know, it's very important because if you get a hold of one of these things and you can make albums, like just legit make albums. And George is like, huh, okay. So they get kicked out of that room and Nancy's like, okay, so we've got Barton who wanted to talk to me. We've got Alan lying about it. We've got Vivian walking in here with a case and, and walking out with a case. So, and it looked like maybe her cases were lighter on the way out. So I think that maybe she was returning something. And if she was sneaking out masters and, hmm. So, Nancy and George, before Ned arrives, go to the library. Because, of course, they do. Um, so, they go to the local library and they're checking shit out. And Nancy's like, okay, 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 just hear me out. We go to a room where there are masters hidden. We see that this bitch is going in there. So, clearly, this has something to do with it. It has to, has to. This is where they would have recorded their shit. There's this thing called, and I believe it is called record piracy, and I'm like, Nancy Drew has stumbled onto Napster. <laughs> it's so adorable. Um, so she's like, there's a thing where you can actually take, like, the masters of something. You can make, like, bootleg records, like, illegal records, copies of it, and then, like, the band doesn't get royalties. And I remember that Barton apparently was upset about royalties, so this kind of makes some sense. Like, if he sees that his albums are selling, but he's not getting the percentage that he thought he was going to, like, it makes some sense that he might have been suspicious about this. She also, when she's in the office with all the masters, sees that Barton has apparently signed in, like, a few days earlier. So it looks like maybe he had figured out that something was going on with the masters for the band. And, hmm. And George is like, oh, I've just found something in a magazine. And Nancy's like, do tell. George has found out that in some countries, copyright laws are not nearly what they are in the United States. So you can actually just, like, they don't consider copies to be illegal or illegitimate. So, and she's like, this includes the People's Republic of China. And I was like, I love that you're giving it the formal name here. This is kind of like in the previous book when it was the USSR. Um, but she's like, yeah, in China, they just don't really respect copyright laws the way we do here. So you can just sell shit on the street corner. It's fine. And Nancy's like everything is making a lot of sense here. We see this sea serpent that could be like a Chinese dragon. Um, we see, like, Anne Nordquist just got back from China. Shit, everything has to be connected because we are obeying the Aristotelian unities. Um, this makes a lot of sense. Like, if Barton found out that possibly people were, like, bootleg selling his albums and that it could involve China, who has very lax copyright laws... All this makes sense. Like, this is what he stumbled onto. So where the fuck is he? Like, we've got to figure out who's behind this because we got to find him. And 
then she's like, well, if we've been kind of operating on, maybe this is like a ransom thing where they're going to hold him for ransom and ask for some sort of payment. But if they just wanted to get him out of the way because he was being too nosy, then, um, this may not be that at all. Like he might already be dead. So this is what Nancy's working on at this point. She's like, I don't know what's going on here, but it all seems related to maybe China with all the stuff that we're seeing and everything. And so when, after she's almost stabbed by a knife that was flung through the air, that neither of them see who did this, which I find hilarious, but anyway. Um, so this is that night after, when she's with Ned outside the club. Um, she goes, she's like, oh, well, maybe the cops can find fingerprints or whatever. And she goes back and, and the knife is gone. Like, she can clearly see where it was, but the knife is gone. And so... She's like, well, there goes that clue. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So uh, the next morning they're trying to figure out what to do because they've got like so many clues and you know how she doesn't know what to do with all this. Like it, it's just a lot. It's just a lot to consider. And she still doesn't know who's behind the piracy. But, like she has a bad feeling about Vivian and Harold Marshall. Um, but also, Ann Nordquist could be involved because she just went to China, and she finds out that her dad is going on a date with Ann Nordquist, and she's like, oh, so y'all are, okay, that's cool, and so she's nervous about that because she's like, is dad dating a suspect? And of course he is, but I mean, it's fine, it's fine, it's Carson, it's Carson. Um, so yeah, the next day she's like, I don't, I don't know what we're gonna do, we, you know, we need to track down some clues, it's, it's, I don't know. Um, Alan's also going to be playing with the band again because they still haven't found Barton, the accountant slash rock star. Um, they haven't found him. So Alan's going to be playing with the band again. And again, like Nancy's like, he has every reason to lie to me about this because if he puts this record contract in jeopardy, like it, he's got a lot of incentive to just not tell me the truth about this. So she's like, but he's the best link that I have. Like, I don't, there's not really anybody else that I can talk to about this. Like he, he knows something. I need him to admit that he lied because if he did, then I know that Harold Marshall's involved who I already strongly feel probably is. So, um, all of everybody's at the concert that night. Um, all the band members, Nancy, Ned, Bess, George, everybody is at the concert that night. Bess is still giving Nancy the cold shoulder because she's like, I cannot believe that you would question my boyfriend over this shit. Um, so Nancy goes up to Alan and she's like, look, I know that you lied to me. I need you to tell me what's going on. Like, seriously. And she also overhears Vivian talking to Alan and Alan's like, I don't think I can do this. And Vivian's like, oh, you will do this. And she has like an evil maniacal laugh because of course she does. Um, so she goes up to Alan, Nancy goes up to Alan. And she's like, look, I need you to tell me what's going on. And Alan's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I saw him. There's a duplicate bandana. Just get off my jock. So Nancy's like, this is so frustrating. So she goes out into the audience to, because again, they're about to start playing. So, um, Alan goes over, he tries to like adjust his amp or some shit and like sparks come out and, and you're like, did they just fucking tase him to death? But I've, I've got questions. Um, and then the lights go out. And so everybody's panicking and yelling and they're like, oh my God, there's a fire. And so, and Nancy's like, I'm going to just sit on the floor over here in a corner. And I'm like, you do not sit on the floor during a stampede. Like, this feels like exactly the opposite of what you should be doing, but okay. So, uh, she says she's been separated from Ned. Like it's, everything's ridiculous. Um, the lights come back on. Everybody's like, stay calm. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And she looks and Alan is like partially off the stage, staring at a piece of paper. And you're like, 
I feel that this is significant. So Nancy goes up to him and she's like, Alan, what's going on? Where's Bess? And Alan's like, what? Be- uh, Bess had to go back to the hotel. And Nancy's like, um, really? Because the, the power was just out and she just suddenly had to go back to the hotel? And Alan's like, yeah, she was feeling sick. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. And Alan's like, and she doesn't want to be disturbed. And Nancy's like, sure. Oh, okay. Um, so you said that she was feeling sick. Does she need to take her moxicillin? And Alan's like, yeah, she needed to take her moxicillin. And Nancy's like, she is fucking allergic to that shit and she would die. So where the fuck is she? And Alan's like, you can't, you, you can't do this. I, I'm no, just, just leave it alone. And Nancy's like, have we met? That is not how I work. Where is she? And Alan's like, look, um, your impulse about Vivian was right. Like, yeah, she was, she was threatening me and I just, I need you to get away from this. And Nancy's like, I need to find Bess. Like she is my best friend and I don't care if we're having a fight right now. Like I need to find her. Like, where is she? Tell me anything that you know. And Alan's like, so at like 1030 tonight, there's going to be a shipment leaving and there's going to be a body on it. And I don't know what the fuck's going on, but like, I'm pretty sure that, like, they're shipping out albums, and I think they're going to China, and Nancy's like, how do you know all this? And Alan's like, well, I went to go see Vivian, because, Vivian and Harold Marshall, because I just didn't feel right about this, and I wanted, like, some additional reassurance, like, I know that you said for me to say that I saw Barton, but can I actually, like, legit see Barton? Like, is that a thing? And so he overhears Vivian on the phone talking to somebody, and, and they say, like, the duck house. Yes, the duck house at 1030 tonight, and everything will be there, and that's what we need to be doing. And there will be a body. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. Where where was Bess during this? And Alan's like, oh, she went for a jog. And immediately, it's like a red alert siren went off in my head because I was like, uh, Bess does not jog. That is not George jogs. What was Bess lying to you about? Because Bess does not jog. Like, so many questions. Was she going for some like Botox? What was happening? Um, but anyway, so Nancy's like, Okay, so Bess wasn't with you. You found this out from Vivian. And Alan's like, yeah, and I was so freaked out that I, like, knocked over a chair. And then I saw Vivian watching me out the window. And I thought that we'd gotten away with it, but apparently I hadn't. So she knows that I overheard some stuff. And she's telling me that I need to be quiet because that's the note that he finds in his hand. It's like, you better shut your mouth or you'll never see your girlfriend again. Like, they have abducted Bess to keep Alan from saying anything. And Nancy's like, I mean, it makes sense that if you abduct two members, two quote lead members of a band in the same like two days that yeah maybe some people would raise some red flags like that makes a little bit of sense here so we're going to pick up with that so Bess has been abducted we don't know where she is and Nancy needs to track her down so for part two of this episode Nancy knows that Bess and Barton are being held somewhere by some scary piraters she knows it involves something involved that's like a duck house which it's this, the duck house and she's like oh, okay so maybe there's something by that name that we can find so that we can track them down um she also knows that they have a limited amount of time because i think ten thirty was the deadline so she's like okay we've got like two hours fuck the concert's clearly been canceled because you know every everything is just ridiculous at that place now so she finds a phone book because again we don't have the internet and so she's looking through and she's like okay duck palace duck, there, there's nothing here that says duck house and they're like okay well maybe it's a pet store maybe it's um, a place that sells exotic animals. Maybe I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. So they're they're scratching their brain for everything that they can possibly think of. And one of the band members is like, 
duck. That makes that makes me think of pecking duck. Like I I would really I'm I'm kind of hungry right now. Like I could go for some of that. And Nancy's like, hang on, hang on. Okay, so everything about this case is about China. Okay, um, we know that actually. Um, Nancy and Ned call Dave's parents, which is like a, a huge narc move. Where it's like. Hey, have you heard anything from Dave? Because Ned doesn't know where he is or how to reach him or any contact information about him whatsoever. But Nancy feels like Dave is probably like a significant factor in this case because she's like, okay, he sounds like he could could have been one of the guys who helped abduct Barton. Like, I feel like that's maybe a loose link in this chain that we could probably possibly focus on. So they find out that apparently Dave has been like calling his mom every now and then and is apparently she's like, I don't, I don't know where he is. And Nancy's like, that's that's sketchy as hell. Um, but she says, oh, yeah, his um, he's working with Mr. Lee and Mr. Lee took him to his brother's restaurant. And, and Nancy's like cool so in the book of course at that point it's spelled l-e-e because they don't know what they're about to find out and so she's like yeah okay that that makes sense and then she's like l we've been seeing a dragon in the shape of an l his name is lee so it's probably l-i so then she looks in the, in the phone book and she's like oh l-i apostrophe s's duck house oh okay okay cool cool yes yes that's where we're going okay cool so um, they, of course, get into cabs and, and rush over there to the Duck House restaurant, which apparently is in like a kind of, it's in Chinatown. So they describe it as like kind of sketchy, but I mean, it's fine. So they get out and Nancy's like, okay, so if we all tromp in there, like they clearly know who we are. So let's just, let's split up. And they're like, you're talking about like a gang of criminals, which Oh, on in route, they called the police because, of course, they did. And, of course, the police were like, we trust all teenagers implicitly, so please tell us everything that you have discovered. And so Nancy's like, yeah, it's um, Mr. Lee, and we think that he's involved in record piracy, and we think that he's, he's kidnapped some people. And the cops are like, we know all about his bullshit, so we are going to be there, toot sweet, you know, hang out. Don't go in there. They are super fucking dangerous. Just Just chill till we get there. Like, they get a sergeant involved. It's, it's just a fucking clusterfuck, y'all. Like, just, I've been watching a lot of Law and & Order, and they are deeply disappointing during this. Anyway, so, Sergeant Weld. I was like, what the, what the fuck even? Like, whoever was making up names for this one was like, I don't even fucking know. Let's just go with Weld. Um, so, they get there, and of course the cops are not there yet, because that's how things work in this series. And I'm like, on the one hand, I completely buy that. On the other, really? Police? Who were like, it's Chinatown, we know that he's a dangerous criminal, but we do not, I mean, we're, our resources are stretched, then we got other shit to do. Maybe some shit's on fire, we don't know. So, Nancy's like, okay, so, somebody, I guess, I guess it just can't be me. We're just going to go in and scope it out, and then we'll come back and get you guys. And so, they eventually decide that it's going to be Nancy and Alan. And I was like, because he's a red shirt. Because it doesn't fucking matter if he gets shot, he's a piece of shit who lied to everyone. But, um, anyway, it's fine. So I was like, I feel shitty for what I did to y'all, so I will go in with you. I know that it's dangerous, but it's fine. That is the shit that I am here for. So Nancy's like, okay, so let's go in. So she goes, they go into the restaurant, and the hostess tries to give them menus, and Nancy's like, no, no, um, I just need to go to the bathroom. And the waitress is like, that is for paying customers. And Nancy's like, I'm here all the time with my uncle. And she's like, fine. So Nancy goes and looks around. She, she finds the basement, but there's nothing down there. Like, she's like, well, it would make sense that it would be 
Like, I feel, they said duck house. Like, I feel like this has to be the place. There are two upper floors that are boarded off. And she's like, that also seems like a legit thing that maybe we could check that out. But they can't find any stairwells that go up there. They find, like, the the floor above the restaurant, but not the two above that. And so Nancy's like, okay, so, fuck. So she eventually figures out that possibly if they go around back, they might find like an exterior entrance. And that would make some sense if they're doing a lot of shady shit, they don't want to go through the restaurant. So they go outside and they find everybody and they're like, okay, so we're going to go around back and find an entrance. So they go around back, everybody, all the band members, all the... It's like the fucking Keystone Cops. They've got everybody. They got. They don't have the cops yet, though. So Nancy spots somebody who is apparently serving as a guard out there, and she's like, okay, he's smoking a cigarette. I'm going to practice some karate moves because, again, she's, she's making a karate pose on the cover. She's ready for this shit. So she walks up to the guard, and she's like, can I, can I borrow a smoke? And because she's seen him smoking. So she's like, okay, well, clearly he's got cigarettes and it's a good way to get him off guard. So the guy offers her a cigarette and is a chivalrous guy who takes out a matchbook to light her cigarette. And she sees the L that she's been seeing everywhere. And she's like, yeah, you are one of the bad guys. And so he reaches down to light her cigarette for her because he's a chivalrous villain. And she like fucking decks him with a, an uppercut to the jaw or some shit. Which I was like, I, I feel like that is not a thing that one learns in karate, but it's fine. <laughs> in a previous book, Nancy actually reminds Ned, as though he needs reminding, that she is a fucking brown belt. And I like that she's not quite at the highest level. Like, we're not going to completely go full-ass full, full ass Mary Sue on her. But, yeah, it's like, I fucking rock at this shit. So, yeah. So, she's she's good at judo. She's good at karate. Like, any sort of... I don't know about her Krav Maga skills, but who knows. Um, anyway, so she decks the guy. Because there's, like, nine of them all together. Because this is, like, a fucking huge band. Um, yeah, they, they take out all the rest of the guards. Um, manage to, like, chunk them into the back of a truck. And then they head inside. So... Nancy and her, like, Nancy says, okay, we'll take this story and, and everybody else go to the upper story and that's cool. So they go to, like, the third floor and Nancy and Ned and George find that, and Alan, yes? Yes. Um, they find that there's a recording, like, a place that, to do recordings there. So it makes sense that they were probably bringing the masters there for them to just put them onto the new equipment and, and make all the scary power to copies. So they're like, oh, okay, we've, we found the smoking gun of a sketchy top state-of-the-art recording studio. And so then the band members are like, hey, we found, we found Barton. So Alan decides to go, um, Alan's going to go call the police, I think, just to give them an update, like, come around back, like, because y'all dipshits. And so everybody else goes upstairs, and they untie Bart, and they're like, Bart, are you okay? And he's like, well, it, it wasn't really a picnic being tied to a fucking chair for two days, but, I mean, I'm none the worse for wear. And Bess is there, and she's like, oh, my God! Oh, my God, I was going to die! And you're like, that is the right reaction to have. Like, at all times, all of us wish that we were Nancy, and we know in our heart of hearts that we are Bess, where we're like... Can we possibly go shopping, though? Also, will pizza be involved? Like, Bess is all of us, and I love her. Anyway, so Bess is like, where is that piece of shit who clearly lied about everything? Because I was tied up next to Barton for a hot minute, and what the fuck? And Nancy's like, look, he kind of redeemed himself, and I'm like, girl, no, just just let him hold this. He was a dick. Anyway, but Nancy's like, look, he, he helped us out here at the end. He's here with us. He He was really feeling really fucking bad about getting you into this shit, and I'm like... 
if this were my best friend and I knew that this had happened, I would have drowned him somehow. I don't know. Like, just fuck you. But anyway, it's fine. Fuck you, Alan. Um, but yeah, so they untie Bobby and they're like, okay, we've got we've to figure out what we're doing here. We've got to get out of here. We've got to get to somewhere safe. And then, of course, the villain walks in and it's Mr. Lee, Mr. James Lee with a gun who is like the well-spoken, well-educated, just the mastermind villain. Like, that's what he's got going for him. He's like, I've got boys to handle this for me. Not men, not men, not thugs, boys. His boys are going to handle this for him. So he's like, yeah, we, we saw Alan downstairs. My boys are going to get him. And Nancy's like, oh, shit. And then she's like, well, the cops are going to be here any minute. And he's like, they're also um, handcuffed in the basement. So there's that. And I was like, is he bluffing? Because... Like, it would make some sense for him to maybe bluff in this situation and say, no, the cops aren't coming. But also, like, he was he was very pleased with himself for having, like, basically thrown the cops into the basement. Spoiler alert, he did. Like, the cops are that, that fucking stupid. So anyway, um, they, like, hid inside and the cops tried to bust up in there. They, like, fucking handcuffed them in the basement with their own fucking handcuffs. Like, again, NYPD... If you're listening, the Nancy Drew Files think very, very little of you and that you're just basically red shirts. Just just understand that. Just just marinate in that. Um, so Nancy and her friends, of course, are tied up. And Dave catches Nancy. Like, he was there in the fra- fracas downstairs where everybody was go- just going nuts. And so he twisted her shoulder. So she gets tied up, and she's like, fuck, my shoulder's fucking useless. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Um, so Mr. Lee looks at Vivian, who has popped up, and she because remember, Vivian is the one who was threatening Alan, and so she's clearly behind Bess's abduction, and so she's there. She's got the gun, and Mr. Lee's like, okay, I am going to the docks with the rest of the records, and y'all take care of this shit, and I will see you there. And they're like, Dave's like, I, I thought somebody, and he was like, shh, you handle this, and you get on the fucking boat. We are leaving... At the appointed time, I am not waiting. If you don't make it, you don't make it. Peace out. So he leaves. He, he's left them with orders, and it's basically like, my uh, y'all are going to kill them, burn down. And I was like, kill them and burn down the restaurant. Like, cool. You know, burn up all the evidence. It's fine. Um, but then his brother's going to collect the insurance money, which the cops are already aware that this guy's a dipshit. So you're like, so we're just going to, we're just going to throw some other crimes on top of this. Like he's already aware that you're a terrible person, but it's fine. So Nancy sees Vivian who is like, fuck all y'all. And Nancy's like, how, how long have you been doing this? Cause Dave, you were at college like six months ago. And Dave's like, I mean, I've just been doing this for like a, a month. I don't know. And Nancy's like, okay, you know this guy a month and he's telling you to kill us and that he's not gonna take off early? Like, this clearly feels like he's setting you up. Like, I'm, I'm just saying. And Dave's like, shit. He's, because he, t- he says to Mr. Lee, he's like, I, but I know this guy. He knows Ned. And Mr. Lee's like, do I look like I give a fuck? Kill his ass. Kill all these motherfuckers. And I, they're killing the entire fucking band. Like, all of the band. Like, everybody got caught in this. Except for Alan. Like, they can't find Alan. Um, P.S. There was a dumbwaiter mentioned earlier. No reason. It's fine. Which, I do love dumbwaiters because they come up again in a, a future book. It's fine. We're going to talk about it later. Um, so, yeah. So, they don't know where Alan is. Nancy's trying to talk down Dave, and Vivian's like, go finish loading shit, because Vivian is here for this shit. And Nancy's like, look, 
you don't want to do this either. And Vivian's like, the hell I don't. Like, I was just, I was not doing great before this. And eventually they figured out that Harold Marshall, the dick with the cigar. Oh, phallic symbol. Um, he was just being led around by the dick by Vivian. Like, Vivian like, was cooing over him and fawning over him, like, oh my god, you're so smart, and she was just feeding him everything, so she got involved in all this shit with Mr. Lee, she got involved with Dave, she's just, she's just everywhere, she is the femme fatale of this series, of this specific book, anyway, um, so she's just like, girl, I got everything I wanted, I've, I've got jewelry, and, like, she flashes a diamond ring at this point, you're like, I love that you're dreaming so small, like, do you have a Mercedes, think, think bigger, anyway, so Vivian's like, I don't, I don't fucking care what happens to y'all. Like, you need to understand that about me. So Nancy's trying to like get through to her and Vivian's like, shut up, enough of this. And so Nancy actually like bows her head because she's like, well, I guess that's it. And like, everyone's crying, it's bad. And then all of a sudden she hears a scream and she looks up and Alan has dumped a hot bowl of noodle soup over Vivian's head and is wrestling the gun away from her. And I'm like, cool, does he also like punch her in the face with it? Like, anyway. So then the scene descends into a fucking Batman scene from the 1960s where it's just like a bunch of bam and kapow and like they don't ever go into, please understand Ghost Rider that I'm 100% behind you on this where they're like, I ain't going to figure out the logistics of this shit. We just going to have a, f- a fist fight. So there's just a bunch of like punches and kicks and everything. And Nancy's like, well, I'm kind of useless here because my arm's not working, but cool. So anyway, they, they manage to tie everybody up. They go in the basement. There's the cops. Because, of course. Um, so, yeah, they the cops go find Mr. Lee. He's, oh, actually, at that point, the cops are like, if you just tell us which dock he's at, we'll call in and we'll have him picked up. And Nancy's like, Dave, wh- which, what's the port number? What's what's the dock or whatever the fuck? Which, which boat? And Dave's like, I'm not telling. And Nancy's like, look, he's got no loyalty to you. He just told you to kill your friends. Like, just tell us where he's leaving from. Like, seriously, did you, what the fuck did you think you were going to do? He was about to take a boat to China. Do you know Chinese, Dick? Do you know Chinese? Like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Did you think you were actually going to make it to China? You were the perfect fall guys for this. Like, he was probably just going to pitch you over the side. And Dave's like, fine. And so anyway, so at the end of the book, everybody's fine, even though Nancy's arm is hurting. Like, at the end of the book, she's like, yeah, my my head's still kind of hurting from the other night, and, and my arm's feeling kind of bad, and and I got the shit beat out of me. But, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, so she's talking to Ned, and, and she's like, you know what? We, we actually do need a fucking vacation after this. Like, let's, let's go somewhere and, and maybe, you know, have a good time. Anyway, so, so that's how this book ends. Please note, first off, apparently there is absolutely no nothing about them actually being alone together for very long at all, Nancy and Ned in this book. So Nancy and Ned do have a few moments at like the club and they do dance together, but Nancy's feeling so depressed over best that she, she can barely, her feet are never going to dance again. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. So she's just like there and Ned's like, oh honey, it's okay. Let's, let's just go for a walk. And so they do have some moments. There is some, like once they're reunited, there is some making out, but there's not nothing in like super graphic detail. Sad face. And of course, if Ned's sleeping on the fucking couch in Carson's hotel room, well then, like, could you, I don't think you could more clearly cock block my couple. It's fine. But the thing is, and this is the interesting thing, I've said before that this is not really serialized, and it's not, but in the first book, you've got, like, Nancy and Daryl, in the second book, you've got, like, Nancy trying to work through all the shit with Daryl, where she's like, 
so I'm really sorry that that happened. Can you forgive me? And, and, and also, because in every, I'm not going to say every, I don't think that that's true, but it's close to it. In every single fucking book, like at least one of them is dating a suspect, it feels like. So in the first book, it was Nancy, who didn't know she was dating a suspect until all of a sudden she was like, oh, shit. Um, in the second book, it's Bess, who is dating a suspect. In the third book, spoiler alert, it's going to be George, because you're like, we only have one person left. And also, Carson also gets involved in the action in this one, because he's dating Anne. So there's that. Um, so yeah, in the first book, Nancy, and fuck you, Daryl. And then in the second book, it's, are we okay, though? And in the third book, Nancy and Ned finally get to take that romantic vacation that you have desperately been pining for this entire fucking time. Um, so yeah, so that's what's going to happen in the next book is it's called Murder on Ice. <gasps> oh my God, y'all. I love it so much. So that's what we're going to pick up for, for next time in our, in this set of the file series. That's what we're going to pick up on. So Ned is super cute. He says, you're always on my list, Nancy. You know that I love you. And Nancy's like, mm. and you're like, y'all need to just make out a lot. Like y'all need a book where you just saw make out a lot. And occasionally I did find a ghostwriter who was like, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Let's have a, a bunch of making out, but generally not so much. So I'm really excited about the next one, y'all. I hope you are too. I'll catch you next time.